I'm Erin. I'm Sarah. I'm Megan. And this is the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. You could write about something in science fiction. So I dreamed up the Star Trek idea so that I could comment on man and society. The whole show was an attempt to say that humanity will reach maturity and wisdom on the day that it begins not just to tolerate, but to take a special delight in differences in ideas and differences in life forms. You know the greatest danger facing us is ourselves and a rational fear of the unknown. There's no such thing as the unknown. Only things temporarily hidden, temporarily not understood. Open your mind to the past, art, history, philosophy, and all this may mean something. There comes a time in every man's life when he must stop thinking and start doing. Fear only exists for one purpose, to be conquered. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure, more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. The heart of real science fiction is stories about people and ideas. Because it says it's not all over, it's not going to go up in smoke, we're going to make it. Because it says the human adventure has just begun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. We are three Trekkie gals who grew up in the 90s and fell in love with Star Trek for many of the reasons you just heard. Even though we consider ourselves Trekkies, there's a lot of Star Trek we've never seen before, which is why we're going through all of the episodes of the completed series, learning about all the cool behind-the-scenes stuff, and talking about our reactions to each episode. We'll also be tackling topics within the Star Trek universe and do interviews with occasional guests. Today's episode is all about the top 50 characters um, of Star Trek. So this is um, something we've been looking forward to talking about. It's just a list uh, pulled from um, the five completed series of the original series, uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. Um also wanted to let you uh, know who we are if you're listening to us for the first time. So my name is Megan. I've been a lifelong uh, Star Trek fan. Deep Space Nine is my absolute favorite show, although Next Generation comes in a close second. And um, this is a list that I've been uh, looking forward to talking through today. And I am Erin. I am the resident Voyager fan on the podcast. And Janeway is my favorite character, uh, mainly because of her science background, uh, which I also have a science background. So I enjoy that very much. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking through this list. And I can tell that uh, just from knowing the other two, we are going to have some very different opinions on some of these characters. And some of them we're going to agree. So it should be interesting. Yep, I concur. And I'm Sarah, and TNG is my favorite uh, show of Star Trek. I'd say that uh, I've not seen, well, none of us have seen most of Enterprise. Just to kind of give you some context for this list coming up, uh, we're watching Enterprise for the very first time on this podcast, and we're up to like episode five or something. Is that right? Five? We've seen like, I think so, yeah. Yeah. We're not yeah. we're not too far into it. Right. So when we see uh Enterprise characters on this list, um, take what we say with a grain of salt, because <laughs> we're yeah. probably not gonna be able to say very much. Um 
And I personally have not seen very much of Voyager or Deep Space Nine. So I've seen enough to kind of know the characters, but I don't really know their evolution over the run of the series or anything. So I'm going to be relying on Megan and Aaron uh, to kind of carry the brunt of that discussion. Uh, I'll be able to put in a lot of input on TNG, though. So, um, And also the original series. We're kind of going through that for the first time. We've seen a few episodes here and there, but we have not actually sat down to watch the entire series. So I say probably about 90% of the episodes we haven't seen. Is that about accurate? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so also take what we say about the original <laughs> series characters with a grain of salt. So just to, before we get into the list, though, uh, just to let you kind of know, we're going to uh, start out the episode, our episode, with the music challenge. And that is where I play a really quick clip of Star Trek music for Aaron and Megan to guess. They have to figure out where it came from in the whole lore of Star Trek. And we do that because we enjoy Star Trek music and think it's really great. And this is kind of our way of paying homage to it. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to jump into this character discussion, and then Aaron will give us some of our listener feedback on social media. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a quiz or anything today that we normally do, which I'm going to kind of miss because we have a lot of fun with that. But yeah, we yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this is a topic episode, so um, something a little different for you. But here we go. We're going to get ready for the music challenge. Are you ready, Aaron and Megan? We'll see. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Oh, that sounds so familiar. Doesn't it? But I have no idea where it comes from. (laughs) (laughs) Same. It's very ominous. It is. I was very, very worried that you were going to get this, like, right off the bat. Uh, Both of us or Aaron? Yeah, both of you. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. See, I, I was thinking you were probably going to say something like that, which, if you had said particularly me of course i would go straight to kelvin movies which uh it certainly could be i was waiting for a little hint to see if maybe i was like oh that that particular note um i remember is from this or whatever um well remember your tendencies aaron i know Uh, For those of you who don't know, Erin usually said something, and then she guesses the exact opposite of whatever she said. So, or she <laughs> hints at something, and then her actual guess is the opposite of it. So, <laughs> and I was kind of about to do the same thing. I was about to go, but my other thought was Star Trek Six. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think it's from Star Trek Six. Hmm. Part of me wants to say it's it could be somewhere in Into Darkness. So with some of the why, clues, why do you say that? Just some of the the almost the drumming kind of in the background makes me think of maybe some of the uh, the scenes with the Klingons in there. 
Man, so is that your answer again. or are you just, is that rhetorical? I'm thinking about it. Okay. Because I'm trying to think if there's somewhere else that I would would jump to. I've listened to the 2009 Star Trek recently and I it doesn't ring a bell. No, so it doesn't. I'm going to... I'm going to say I think it's from Into Darkness. All right. You nailed it. It is from Into Darkness, and it is, I'm assuming the Klingons part, because it is uh, titled the Kronos Wartet. So. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. That is definitely the scenes um, where Khan decimates the Klingons. Yeah, I think I remember that one. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna nice. have to go back and listen to that soundtrack you, again. I haven't listened to it. You picked a really obscure part of that. Exactly. That piece. That's very intentional. <laughs> yes, you <yes, laughs> <it> did. <laughs> because there well, are because some if really I, if I gave you like an obvious part, I mean you would get it yeah. in like two seconds. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, I am a big fan of the music from the Kelvin movies. So I have all the soundtracks and have listened to them and everything. So um I I typically recognize those ones fairly quickly but sarah did a good job picking something that was uh, harder to uh, sort out well i have to make you work for it a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you do <laughs> all right everyone so for today uh we're talking through the top 50 characters of star trek um i found this list online through um nerdinfinite.com um, there wasn't a listed criteria on this website, but from what we've been able to gather looking at the list, um, it looks like um, how these characters developed um, in the Star Trek universe in their shows or in show or shows. Um, so we're going to go through this list. We're going to start at number 50 and work our way up to number one and talk about um, these characters and whether we agree with where they are on the list or not. Yeah, and then you guys can also write in on social media or our email, which we'll give towards the end of the episode, and let us know whether or not you agree with it. So, I'm sure there'll be lots of discussion and lots of disagreement. <laughs> um, with Erin as our resident Voyager expert, we'll let her start <laughs> off with number 50. Yes, poor little Neelix. He is the bottom oh. of this list. A lot of people... Um, really dislike Neelix. Um, they, you know, liken him to Jar Jar Banks in the, the Star Wars movies. Um, oh, Alice, that's a little harsh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, uh, <laughs> um, he had a lot of, of character that just oozed out of him. And I think that just kind of rubbed people the wrong way in a show that they're used to, characters being a little bit more subtle and unless they were you know some of the Romulan bad guys where they're very clearly you know pulling the wool over your eyes or um the Cardassians were you're clearly not supposed to like most of them so I think Neelix gets a bad rap because of some of that I totally see why they felt they needed a character like Neelix because they needed a way to give a lot of context to some of the things that Voyager encounters. Um, and there's, 
several seasons worth of Neelix, oh, he knows this system or he's talked to someone who's dealt with this race before. So it's a way to get the information in there. And then, of course, we we do eventually come to a the end of Neelix's knowledge. Um, but by then, he's already embedded in the crew and um, decides to stay with them and everything. So um, I personally like Neelix more than, say, at the bottom of the list. But I think part of that is probably because I'm a Voyager fan. And so anything Voyager, I'm probably going to scoot higher up on the list than <laughs> yeah. what it is on here. So a little biased. Yeah, for me with Neelix, like, I don't agree that he needs to have a bad rap in this Star Trek fandom, but he was that annoying character at first for me that became endearing mm. as the show went on. So like by the, and he had huge character growth from episode one through, you know, season seven or season six, season seven, when he left the show. And I, I mean, I cried <laughs> when, when <laughs> Neelix left Voyager. So like, I, I mean, yeah, he just became that super endearing character over time. But when he f- was first on there, he was just really annoying to me. Um, yeah. The comic relief, but still just that, mm, okay, less is more. But, like, I'm a, I, for me, I'm okay. I'm okay that he's on the list, and I'm okay with where he is on the list. He left the show in season seven. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he made um, a couple of... Um, like appearances they would hail hail him for some reason why do you leave i don't know why the actor left it may have been the end of his contract and he just didn't renew for the seventh season well it kind of becomes a story point there's there's a a reason he chooses to leave i don't really have a strong opinion on neelix because i haven't seen most of voyager but what i have seen of it i don't really have a problem with neelix so i'm actually kind of surprised to hear that i have heard like the jar jar Binks? Is it Binks? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can tell how much of a Star Wars fan I am. <laughs> um, I have heard him compared to that before, but um, I, I'm surprised. To, like, I'm kind of surprised to hear that he's not very well liked in general. It's also interesting. The um, There are some characters on here that I never would have thought of to even put on the top 50 list. And then of course there are Mm -hmm. some characters that are missing. Um, So anytime you talk about Neelix, you pretty much automatically also talk about Kess and she's not on this list. Yeah. Well, maybe it's more of what kind of impact do their character have on the franchise versus how many, how long they were on screen. Because that, that's a better list to me, is I don't care how many episodes you did or whatever. I mean, if if you had like a major part of the franchise and you were in one movie or in two episodes, you know, I think that that warrants being put on a top 50 list. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next on the list, um, we have from Enterprise, Travis Mayweather, which I can't speak into too much of this because I've. I don't, I'm not familiar with Enterprise. Um, We're all in the same boat yeah. <laughs> with this one, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> like. I mean, I enjoy his character from, um, I did watch, back in the day, watch the first two seasons of Enterprise. I don't remember a whole lot of it. I do remember it when we're going back and watching the episodes for the podcast. But for me to sit and talk intelligibly about his character, I, I enjoyed 
this character in Enterprise, but I can't speak super intelligently on him. So my only feeling with Travis is that in the first few episodes that we've already watched, we haven't gotten to see that much of him in action. So I'm going to be interested to see where his character grows and becomes more prominent because more than likely he will be because he is a main character. I have no problem whatsoever with him being on this list. Uh, as I said, you know, I would tend to put main characters on the, the top 50 just in general, but I don't have an opinion one way or the other of where he should be on the list. Yeah, uh, again, it's we're, we can't have an intelligent, really, opinion on him. He, so far, though, from what we've seen, and from what I've seen of Enterprise, I have seen a couple of episodes in later seasons of Enterprise, and it just seems like he strikes me as, uh, he is definitely one of the main characters, but he seems to be slightly more in the background than some of the other characters. Mm. And so I don't know, like, again, I I haven't seen the rest of the episode, so maybe that's not true overall. Uh, just from what I've seen, though, he kind of seems like that kind of character. So, sure, why not put him at number 47, <laughs> I guess? 49. Or 49. Yeah. <laughs> so, continuing our Enterprise discussion, number 48 is Dr. Phlox um, mm-hmm. from Enterprise. Um, I enjoy that character on Enterprise. He brings a great unique perspective often humorous perspective um it's, it's, it just seems to me like he's he's as equally entertained by the um humans on this ship that as they are of him so anyway it, that's a character that i enjoy on there yeah i would agree um i would probably would have put him higher up the list but uh if you've been listening all along, you know I have a uh, an affinity for the doctors on these series, so uh, I I would have put him higher up the list, but that's just me. I don't know where he belongs on the list, but I do agree that I, I like his character. He seems to be a very intelligent doctor, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah, you always want an intelligent <laughs> doctor. <laughs> that's very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna let just anybody treat me. Yeah. Um. So uh, number 47 on the list, we're still in Enterprise. This is to Paul. For her character, um, I actually really like her character. I remember more of her character development in the show. I think she's acted incredibly well. Yeah, it's, it's, she's one of, I don't think she's, she's not my favorite character on Enterprise, but she's definitely up there. Um, I don't know that I would have her any farther up on the list, but she for sure, I'm glad that she's on this list. See, I would be the opposite side of that coin. Now, I haven't seen as much of Enterprise as you have, but in the first few episodes, there's nothing tangible about T'Pol that I can say why she rubs me the wrong way, but she does. And that may simply be because um, she's still in the stage of acting superior to the the human crew and that sort of thing. And, you know, that it may be that as we go on, she, you know, I, that feeling in me mellows. Um, I do know she becomes incredibly important in the, the lore and everything. And a lot of people do enjoy her character. Um, but it may just be one of those characters that I just never lean towards. So 
We'll have to see as we go further along. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of like keep my personal opinion about whether or not I like the character out of this because it's I'm looking at it as more of what impact do they have on the franchise versus mm. whether I like them or not. Because there are characters that have a huge impact on Star Trek that I don't necessarily like. But um, to Paul, I, I don't dislike her. I think she's uh, a needed on Enterprise because you have Archer who is so like gung-ho and carefree about everything. And she's brings the Vulcan perspective of, hey, we have more experience than you guys out here. We've established certain ways of doing things that are helpful. You know, maybe you should listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. And so even though she is like arrogant a lot, she is also right a lot. And I kind of really like that, especially you know that episode we saw. I forgot what the name of it was. Where they got they have they were having the hallucinations, mm. and she was the only one that kept it together enough for them to be able to get out of that situation. So I kind of like that about her character and the strength that she brings to the crew. Again, I don't know like where she would should be on this list. My gut feeling is that maybe she be she should be higher up because. She was the first Vulcan on the first Enterprise to go out in space. Like, that's very historic for the Federation mm. and for Starfleet. And so she has a huge role in just, like, kicking off the whole thing. And and probably also in establishing Starfleet protocol, you know, because there is basically no protocol established in the beginning of Enterprise. And... You know, a lot of her stuff that she's brought up that they should do later does become protocol in Starfleet that we're used to on the the other shows. So, yeah, my gut feeling is she should be higher on the list. But again, I don't know without having seen the series. So, yeah, even having said that she rubs me the wrong way for no particular reason, uh, I would agree with you that she should be higher on the list because of the reasons you said uh, she yeah. obviously is very, very important um, to the overarching story of Star Trek. So, yeah, I would agree with that. All right. So next on the list at number 46 is the female founder uh, from Deep Space Nine. And I would absolutely agree that this character needs to be um, on this list just from the sheer impact um, that they had with um, one the overarching storyline of Deep Space Nine, but um, with the she's the leader of the Dominion um, and the uh, founders and um, leader of this war that's being fought on Deep Space Nine. So yeah, I mean she this character was vastly important. Um, on that show and in how the flow of Star Trek was um, at that time. Yeah. When I first read this list, I thought, really, you're going to put a a character that now granted, this is basically part of her character that she doesn't even have a name, but um, I thought that's an odd choice. But when I thought of it in terms of what you just said about how important she is to the storyline of a big chunk of Deep Space Nine, um, I would agree that she is important and should be on this this list of of the top fifty characters. 
she is in the part of Deep Space Nine that I watched for the most part, which was the Dominion War part, basically. I don't remember a ton about her, but I do know that she was um, a big deal, you know, back in the Gamma Quadrant, and she was kind of the one that spoke for all of the founders and, uh, you know, was their representative with that whole war. And so I do know that she's a very important figure. I have not seen any of those episodes since they came out originally, so (laughs) I haven't seen them in a really long time. And I don't remember all the specifics, but I mean, she's a, she's a pretty ruthless character. Yeah. Um, like it's just to have that where these shapeshifters really don't trust any species that cannot shapeshift and that they're, um, to be subservient or not alive. (laughs) Basically, if they've, if you have not watched deep space nine, I'm so sorry. I've just spoiled it for you. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like she's she's a pretty ruthless, um, important character in that. So yeah, I remember having that feeling of oh she's not that bad, and then like something bad happened uh, mm-hmm. with her character. I was like mm-hmm. oh okay, um, yeah. So that's all I really remember of her. Uh, I don't know. Is forty uh, should be should she be higher than forty six in your opinion, or is she about right? Um, I think she's about right if. If um, this was something that if we'd had another show that had taken place um, when this was on that took place after Deep Space Nine um, instead of, you know, Picard that takes place 20 years later. Um, of course, Voyager is lost in the Delta Quadrant during all of this. So um, if that had continued on to follow up, you know, what happened in, in Starfleet and the Alpha Quadrant following the dominion war i think she would have been a much more she needed to be higher on the list because that would have so affected the history but i I, i'm okay with where she is at number 46 all right well number 45 is shran from enterprise and of course we've all heard of him before but we have not seen him actually in any episodes yet so (laughs) this is going to be another one of those where we're not quite able to give a really good answer on I've just I just know that I've heard a ton about Shran, like a lot, and so I know he becomes a very very important part of Enterprise and I guess the establishment of the Federation or Starfleet in general, kind of like the beginnings of all of that. I would say he definitely probably deserves to be on this list. Um, again, I don't know where exactly, but yeah, he is Andorian, so it's probably one of the first times we get a real good look at the Andorian culture and, and a character. Uh, so I think that's one of the important things about him. Uh, and of course, with the Andorians being one of the founding members of the uh, Federation, you can see how that would tie in for sure. And I, not being super familiar with this character, I don't have much to add to this on him. So I'll <laughs> let y'all's discussion be... <laughs> I agree with both of you. (laughs) Well, that is a good point about the Andorians, because that is an important species in Star Trek. And since he's really kind of like their sole representative (laughs) that we get, for the most part, other than just like little bit parts here and there, we get of the Andorians. But he's the first like real Andorian that we get to know. 
in Star Trek. Yeah. And so that, that also brings a lot of weight to his character. So with the next one, we are back to Voyager for Tom Paris. I, I don't know. I, I, f- I feel a little weird about that one, again, because, like I say, I would probably put anything Voyager uh, a little higher up the list than where they are. But, uh, you know, in, in terms of having a massive impact on the story of Star Trek as a whole, uh, he's probably right where he belongs. Um, just because, he yes, he was a main character Yes, he had a lot going on in his storyline, but he didn't necessarily, you know, make massive changes in Star Trek lore or anything like that. Yeah, for me with him, I'm totally fine with him sitting at number 44. I would say for Voyager itself, he's probably my favorite character on that. And um, the one, in my opinion, that had the most character growth. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it, looking at Tom Paris at the end of season seven and looking back at him at season one, um, just how far he had come as, um, how far he had evolved in those seven years that he'd gone from being this, you know, Han Solo rogue character into being a married family man in that whole time and, and finding his place in this crew, um, and really having that ship become his home. And then, you know, just uh, 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 for me, he's pro- he's my favorite character. Um, so, yeah, I'm great that he's made it onto this list. But outside of Voyager, I mean, he's really not had an impact because he was only on that one show. Yeah. Well, Tom is my favorite character on Voyager from what I've seen. And I just really like, I don't know, I like the just kind of, outgoing carefree personalities you know Riker's the same way on TNG and he's my favorite character on that so I think Tom Paris is kind of like the Riker on Voyager and he does I I have seen later episodes where he is married and has the kid and stuff and he is different and yeah I I agree with uh, Aaron that he's he doesn't seem like the character a character that would have a huge impact on the franchise as a whole. He's just kind of there. So sure, I I kind of wouldn't disagree with where he is on the list. However, the next one is going to be a little controversial. I feel like within uh, <laughs> Star Trek fandom, uh, we have Wesley Crusher at number forty three. Uh, how do you guys feel about this one? Yeah. Um... I don't know. Okay, so I will say for his character to be the child prodigy on Next Generation, to have been at his age, to have been an acting ensign, um, and being the main navigator of the Enterprise, and then evolving into whatever it is he became. Like, I didn't hate his character. I know a lot of people did. I didn't. I enjoyed having a character that was sort of close to my age when I was watching this. I don't know that I would have him on this list, though. I for sure wouldn't have him any higher than 43. I agree. I didn't dislike... I actually kind of liked Wesley, too, because we were younger than him um, mm-hmm. by a few years, but uh, yeah, as a kid watching TNG, it was cool to see another kid on the show, and it was a somewhat relatable character, more so, I think, than the adult characters in, in a lot of ways. So I did not have that dislike of him either. 
uh, growing up, and I still don't. But yeah, as as he was a big part of TNG too. You know, he was in a lot of episodes and uh, really mixed in with the main characters. But I kind of agree with Megan. Like, I don't know what impact exactly he had on the series, like on the franchise. You know, he was just he was that child prodigy that was smart and he saved the ship. You know, time and time again, I guess. But uh, other than that, like I I don't know what he did exactly to uh to really make this list well i'm gonna go ahead and throw a third uh agreement on there um i didn't dislike him as much as a lot of people do it's almost this weird thing of well i guess i should dislike him because everybody does but it's almost more of an indifference on my part you know, I I see why they had the character in there. Um, I thought it was a, a neat counterpoint to the rest of the main cast who are all these adults who have already achieved their position and all that sort of thing. So to have someone showing the process of becoming an officer in Starfleet and everything was kind of neat. But yeah, I, I would agree with what you said about really did he really have an impact on star trek as a whole Hmm, not sure all right so coming in at number uh 42 on this list we're back over to enterprise and we have hoshi um on this i think honestly i feel like i would probably put her up a little bit higher um since we've been sort of reevaluating why the enterprise um characters are on this list i mean she I would have to sort of agree. She had similar impact that I guess to Paul had that, you know, here she is. She's the first translator and communications officer um, out in space. And she is actively using her skills to adapt the universal translator to all of these alien cultures that they're encountering. Um, So for that alone, I'm sure, you know, what she did on the enterprise was transferred forward to the other starships as they came out. So for that alone, I would, I would put her up higher on the list. I don't know where number wise, but for sure higher than 42. Yeah. Based on just the, the few episodes of enterprise that we've already watched, I would have expected Hoshi to be much higher um, because of the impact she has on that show. There are huge sections of the storylines in these episodes that would not happen if Hoshi's not there. So um, I I would say she's very important to the series and probably should be higher up. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. She's also one of the more enjoyable characters on Enterprise uh, as well, because I relate to her a lot with her um, paranoia of things sometimes. (laughs) So (laughs) I kind of appreciate that about her. But yeah, as far as the... um, as far as her importance goes, you know, working with the universal translator and stuff. I mean, she said she was the first Uhura, really. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I would agree with that. And that takes us to number 41 with Harry Kim. I don't know, Aaron? <laughs> I'm interested <laughs> to hear your opinion about this one. The the Voyager Clause ap- applies. Um, I also had a huge crush on Harry back when the show was, was running, which you know, I think was definitely part of his, the intent of his character. But uh, yeah, I, 
I don't know, he he probably could be right in the right spot. Um, similar to Tom Paris, I would say he doesn't necessarily have a massive impact on Star Trek as a whole. Um, but he was very integral to Voyager because, you know, he's the operations officer. He's versatile on the bridge and in engineering. He comes up with a lot of solutions to things. So he's very useful in that series. But um, as far reaching into Star Trek, he's just a good character. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree. I'm, I'm happy with where he is. I'm glad he is on the list. Um, you know, and I would hate that he never was promoted beyond Ensign. <laughs> yeah. On the seven years that he was on Voyager. Um, and he did have, you know, here he was, you know, fresh out of the Academy when he first started. And he's sort of, you know, as we all do as we're growing up and we finish college and we get into career and life and, um, we settle into who we are and become more comfortable with ourselves and our abilities. And so, I mean, he for sure did that um, over the seven years of of time. So I'm I'm okay, I'm okay with him being on the list and being at number forty one. But yeah, he didn't have, as far as we are aware, didn't have much of an impact um, in Star Trek as a whole. Yeah, I don't really have much of an opinion on him because to me, he's just kind of one of those characters that's there. Mm. Uh, it is interesting that they put him above Tom Paris, though. I would think it would be the opposite. Yeah. Well, and I think that might be just our a slight little bit of our biases uh, appealing, because I think that's fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh, like I say, I, I just liked the character more than I, I liked Tom. So that's personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, okay. I'll say my crush is on Tom Pierce and not Harry Kemp, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it just seems to me that Tom probably had a little bit more to do than Harry, so that's the reason I say that. But again, I haven't seen most of the series, so I maybe I'm not right about that. Okay, so number 40 brings us to one of my TNG favorites, Tasha Yar, and they also included uh, Sela as well. I think it's interesting that they merge the two together i know there's very different characters <laughs> yeah they're yeah they may be the same actress but they are not the same character i wouldn't put sila on this list at all no so let's just talk about tasha okay <laughs> well i will say like for just to throw out there so like on tng when the episode where you have brought the enterprise c into an alternate reality where enterprise d is and tasha goes back in time and we learn later that she did not die in the battle she was captured by romulans had a child who was sila and so like that right there <laughs> my mom who loves star trek uh, not as much as i do but enjoys it she cannot wrap her brain around that <laughs> and this is like that ongoing discussion that's been happening for over 20 years of <laughs> explain to me that one more time no i refuse mom i just i just refuse <laughs> it's just not going to happen it's i don't know how to explain it any more simply <laughs> to make you understand um i sort of see why they included her that character that she portrayed on here I, I'm going to be really honest. I don't know that I would have either characters on this list for me. Um, not that I I don't I, I don't dislike Tasha Yar. 
but she was on the show so briefly. I just, I don't know that I would have put her on here at all. Yeah, I, I can see that point. But I, I would say that Tasha, because of the whole Sela storyline and her friendship with Data and that sort of thing, um, had maybe a little bit more impact. Um, but then again, that, that may be part of my uh, liking the character bias coming in as well. Uh, since when TNG was actually airing, uh, she was my favorite character. She, um, what for me personally, was just like one of those characters that was there. I wasn't particularly drawn to her in any way, but she did kind of represent the first quote unquote strong female character in Star Trek, I think, mm. um, on a show. Mm. And she did have, she's famously had that tryst with Data in the second episode yeah. of TNG. So I think there are ways that she is, and then she, of course, was killed off in the first season and had that big emotional like uh, funeral scene. So there are ways that she is kind of like enshrined in Star Trek. I think that, uh, I don't know if she belongs on a top 50 list necessarily, but I think that she probably has a little bit more of an impact in Star Trek than some people realize. So uh, coming in at number 39, we're back over to Enterprise and we have Malcolm Reed on the list. So I don't know that I would have him at number 39. I would have him on this, maybe a little bit farther down on this list, but he is a character that I um, enjoy on Enterprise. I just don't know that I'd have him at number 39. Yeah, I'm probably in the same boat. Um, I do like his character, but as far as impact in the first few uh, episodes that we've watched. Um, he'd be probably in the middle of the pack. Um, he's not been ignored like maybe Mayweather has, um, but he's not been, you know, directly uh, impacting things to the level of, say, Tapal or Hoshi. So um, I probably would have put him a little further down on the list, but maybe that changes in later seasons. Yeah, I feel the same way about him. I think for me, he just kind of is down there with Mayweather. Uh, we haven't really seen a whole lot from their characters yet, so I don't know. I mean, he was one of the first engineers, so maybe he he's he's the first Scotty, you know. Yeah. So maybe he uh, <laughs> does something big coming well, up. He and, wasn't the that was true. Yeah. He was the he, weapons. Person. Oh, really? I thought he was engineer. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Oh. Yeah, I I agreed with you originally, and then I was like, oh wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Megan is right. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. I'll take it back. Yeah, he, he belongs down there with me. <laughs> so how do we feel about number 38, Tuvok? I kind of am surprised he's that far down, honestly. I don't know a ton about his character, but it just seems... I don't know. I, 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 there's something about Vulcan characters. I feel like this should be higher up. I don't know why. I think it's just because they're Vulcans. He seems like a really, really super important character on Voyager. I, I don't have a very intelligent answer for this, though, but I feel like he should probably be a little bit higher up, maybe. Yeah, um, I'm glad that Tuvok is on this list. He's a character that I've always enjoyed on Voyager. I don't know that I would put him any higher, but I don't know that I'd put him any lower either. So I, I, I'm fine with him being at number 38. Yeah, I can definitely see that whole 
well, he's a Vulcan, so he must be important, right? <laughs> um, so there, there is that tendency to think, well, he must be higher on the list. But I would say he's probably right about where he should be if we're comparing to the same qualifications that we were looking at other characters. Yeah. Um, you know, he does have a massive impact in Voyager, but not really outside of that. So uh, I, th- I think he does sit well at number 38. Well, I will defer to both of you since you know a lot more <laughs> about him than I do. So. so next on the list at number 37 is the Borg Queen. I would maybe move that up a little bit on the list just from the sheer fact that that's the leader of the Borg, more or less. And so the Borg has such a huge role in Next Generation. Of course, we have the First Contact movie, and then they were also major in, in Voyager. So I, I think I would move that character up. Um, I um, also love both of the actresses that played that character um, in the franchise. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd move the character out of the 30s, but I don't think I'd have it at the end of the 30s either. Just for my bias of not being as enamored with the, the Borg as some fans are, I would I, would, I certainly wouldn't move her up in the list, but um, it took me a second to come around to the idea of including her on this list because my tendency is to go to characters that had more of a emotional impact on me, I guess, or some that I connected to in some way. But evaluating it from the terms of having an impact on Star Trek, I've come around to see that, yes, she does need to be on this list. Um, So many important things happen uh, because of her, even before we knew of the existence of the Borg Queen or met her, uh, just by the fact that she she basically is the Borg. So, um, yeah, I I wouldn't personally move her any higher, but uh, she she might uh, go a little higher on the list simply because of some of the others that I would move down the list, if that hmm. makes any sense. The only Borg Queen I really know is the one from First Contact. I know that they had another one on Voyager. And I think I might have seen a snippet or two of her, but I've not seen the Borg Voyager episodes, really. So I don't know what kind of role she played on that part of the franchise. Um, Obviously, I remember when First Contact came out, like her character was a big deal. Like everybody Mm. was like, oh my gosh, they have the Borg have a queen. And personally, I always hated the idea that the Borg had a queen because I liked the really like drone aspect of them and how they just didn't care about anything. And the Borg queen brought in emotion to it, which I thought softened the Borg more. And I didn't like that. So I've never been a huge fan of her character and kind of wish that they had never (laughs) created her in the first place. I guess I, I, I can't say whether or not she belongs where she does. So I'll just go with it. (laughs) okay well coming in at number 36 we're back over to deep space nine and uh weyun is um number 36 on this list i liked this character i liked it it, how it was portrayed in the show how there was this introduction to a new species 
uh, people that were basically their clones um, that were created by the founders to basically do their work. Um, they're not the foot soldiers like the Jim Hadar are, but they are the administrators to control the dominion and the, the areas of the dominion. Um, they are there to serve the founders and the founders have made built into them a belief system that they're the gods of these people. I don't know that I would have Wayun this high up on the list. Um, I think about have him further down, maybe in the forties, but for the, the impact uh, that he had um, in deep space nine in working for the female founder, specifically what he did inside of the dominion and the dominion wars, I think he needs to be on this list. Yeah, I would say very similar things. Um, I did like the aspect of having the same character carry through, but it's we get the different iterations of Wayun. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really unique concept uh, and something that was really um, new as far as Star Trek, you know, where we were used to meeting new types of aliens uh, to bring in something that's makes you go, oh, okay, well, that's different, um, is is really nice. And with him being connected that strongly to the Dominion, uh, he is very important, but I, like you, would probably put him a little further down on the list, in part because, you know, I, I would bump some other characters higher up. Yeah. So um, I, I was a little surprised to see him that high on the list, but I can see where that might have come from. Again, he was in the part of Deep Space Nine that I saw the Dominion more, and I do remember kind of liking his character, even though he's a villain. But I can't really remember. I remember he just he his character had quite an impact on the war, so I think he is an important character. Sure, we'll go with number thirty six on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> now I am quite surprised to see the next one on the list because I would have put this character higher, but. You know, maybe with the criteria we've been using, um, at number 35, we have Dax, uh, and they combine both Jadzia and Ezri. I would not have combined them. I see why they did it, but I would not have combined them. Yeah. It's it's difficult because, yes, they, they are the, they, they are partly the same character mm-hmm. because they do both have Dax. Um, so because they are a character that's made up of two parts, um, when one part stays the same, that does link them, but they are incredibly different characters. And I would, I would venture to say that Dax as a whole has a major impact on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Jadzia, I would say, has more of an impact than Esri. But if you take Dax, you know, all of the hosts of Dax and the Dax symbiont as one, that's a massive character arc. So I probably would have put them higher up the list. But, uh, you know, combining them together is a little harder. If I had separated these characters out, I don't know that I would have had Ezri on the list at all. Jadzia for sure, probably not at 35. But Dax as a character, I totally agree that taking the the host out and just having the history of Dax 
um, yet DAX itself, I would have put much higher on the list. Just you'd learn so much history on, even though the, this character is only on Deep Space Nine, um, just from watching the seven seasons of that and the history that that character um, had all going all the way back to the original series. Um, so yeah, I would have, I would have put Dax a little bit higher up on the list. I agree with Megan. I think uh, she should be a little bit higher. I think she was one of the, um, again, more important characters on Deep Space Nine, just from what I know of her so far. Uh, so yeah, I agree. She should be a little bit higher than she is. So coming in next on the list at number 34, um, we're back over at Voyager and we have Belana Torres and I'll let Aaron, since this is her, her favorite <laughs> show, let Aaron share her opinion first. I, I would say I'm a little surprised to see that they put Belana above some of these other characters. I have grown to like Belana. I don't know that she made an intense impact on me when I was first watching Voyager as a, a teenager. Um, as I've rewatched and everything, I've enjoyed Belana more because uh, I've seen more of the depth they put into the character and some of the topics that they were able to cover because of her character. But I would kind of put her in the same boat as some of the others from Voyager that we've already talked about, where, yes, they have a massive impact in Voyager. They're at, they absolutely should be on this list, but she doesn't necessarily have a big impact on Star Trek as a whole. And I, I guess we could kind of say that for most of the Voyager characters, um, except for the fact that we do get some tie-ins with some of the others, um, or they they had an impact on Star Trek as a, a franchise rather than the, the world of Star Trek. So yeah, it's a difficult one. I, I am a little surprised to see her above Dax. Um, I probably, because of impact, would have maybe put Hoshi above Balana and that sort of thing, but I, I'm definitely glad she's on this list. Yeah. I mean, for me with where she is, maybe not at number 34, but yeah, she was um, a great character on Voyager. Um, also had extensive character growth um, on the show. I'm okay with where she's ranked on here with some of the other characters from Voyager, but on the overall list, I would have, I would put her a little bit lower. Yeah, I'm actually surprised she's above Dax, too, because I feel like Dax was a stronger character than her. Uh, I do like her character, but again, I, having not seen a lot of Voyager, I don't really know what to say about her other than I'm surprised. Yeah, I would probably move her down a little bit on this list, too. Well, Megan, you threw over to me with a Voyager character, so number 33 on the list is Kira Norris. And we'll go to our DS9 fan for her opinion. Yeah, I actually, I really enjoy that character on um, Deep Space Nine. She had extensive character growth. I don't know that I would rank her at number 33 on the list. Um, she sure, for sure needs to be on this list. You know, she does, she does have a major impact in Deep Space Nine that she, you know, fights in the dominion war she goes undercover um is you know given a starfleet commission and goes undercover to cardassia to help the resistance movement there 
Um, I, I mean, maybe she deserves to be exactly where she is now that I talk about her. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I think I'm totally fine. She's at number 33. <laughs> now that I've said all that I have. See, I'm a little surprised. I thought you would have said she should go higher because um, – because of how important she was in Deep Space Nine. Uh, and I thought it was really neat in Star Trek to have a character who is that important to the whole story, mm-hmm. who isn't a Starfleet officer. Now, like you said, she does, she is given a commission later for a mission and all that sort of thing. Um, and she certainly is as capable as any Star Starfleet officer. Um, I think in looking ahead at some of these, like who's, who we're going to be talking about, I I would rank her above some of these other characters, yeah. but I don't know that I would have her higher than the number that she's at. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. That's interesting. Cause I would have probably put her a little bit higher. Just again, I haven't seen, a, you know, more than probably a couple seasons worth of Deep Space Nine, but, uh, I don't know. She just seems like, uh, like she should be a little bit higher just in my own personal lore of what I know. It just, <laughs> she just seems like she had a huge impact on uh, the, the dominion war and the running of the station. And she also was one of those uh, like standout female characters for star Trek. See again, like I just feel like I can't give a super intelligent answer on this because I haven't seen the entire series. So but her impact is contained within Deep Space Nine. You know, it's I, I think Deep Space Nine is is that series in Star Trek that had the big epic war. And so I think a lot of people might put a little bit more weight on that one because of that reason, you know, yeah. and that war paid played a huge part in shaping the Federation. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like she should be a little bit higher because of that. Yeah, I would agree. And like we kind of said, looking at some of the characters coming up, I definitely would have put her above some of these other characters. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird one uh, because it does slightly contradict some of what we've been saying um, about whether they have impact outside of their series. Uh, but yeah, I, I probably would have put Kira higher. So speaking of characters that have had an overarching impact um, on multiple series, we go to number 32 on the list and we go to Galron. So I, I think that character for sure needs to be on the list. You know, he was the, the leader of the Klingon people um, was on TNG and deep space nine um, and had the crazy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um so yeah, I'm I'm totally happy with you know the leader of the high command of Klingon Empire being on here. He sort of goes a little crazy in in Deep Space 9. <laughs> um so uh like I don't know that crazy I would, eyes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I put him any higher than number 32, but as, you know, as a character who's the leader of his people and the leader of his people for a significant amount of time. I'm fine with him being at number 32. Now I'm going to send you guys a meme that I saw today because it was a Galron meme and it cracked me up. Yeah. Galron for me was always one of those um, villains that you heard a lot about, you know, seems like he popped up several times in TNG 
I seem to remember him popping up a little bit in Deep Space Nine, but I must not have seen some of the episodes he was in because I don't really remember him on Deep Space Nine. I yeah, I think he's about right where he is. I mean, he's he's a big name villain in Star Trek, but he also didn't have like a huge, huge, huge impact. He had a little bit of one. Yeah, he was definitely one of the ones that um, I was a little surprised to see him this high on the list. But going by impact in Star Trek, then um, yeah, that that does make it a little more um, a little more obvious. I I guess I would say he's probably right at the right spot because of impact. Well, that brings us to number thirty-one, uh, Hikaru Sulu. I feel like it's hard with the original series characters because they're so iconic. Yeah, I don't know. I Maybe it's my personal bias, but I would tend to put most of the original series crew higher up on this list. Basically because they did have such a massive impact obviously on Star Trek as a franchise because they are the original crew. Um, but to then go on and make appearances in different series and all the movies and all that sort of thing, and then be recast and shown again as characters. Uh, yeah, I would tend to put Sulu higher on the list just because of that. As far as my personal thoughts on the character, He's not one that I would directly lean towards, but I don't have any reason, certainly no reason to put him lower on the list and absolutely does belong on this list. Yeah, I'm actually glad that you spoke second because I didn't really know what to say. And <laughs> like I now like I completely I completely agree. I hadn't even thought of uh, of what you talked about of uh, like I agree with the original series. I mean, they were the groundbreaking characters um for this because it was the original series um and they had the most outside of i mean they weren't on television um as long as the other shows were but the most overarching impact on the franchise definitely comes from them um and i would agree as a character i don't i don't know that i don't know where i'd put him on the list Mm. Um, just as the character itself. Um, but for sure needs to be on here. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, you could even say that all of the original series cast or characters should probably be in the top 25. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying. Yeah. Cause I said that they were very iconic and maybe for that reason alone, they should be in the top 25. So next on the list, um, we have we go back to TNG and we have at number thirty Dr. Beverly Crusher, and since Sarah's this is her favorite show, we'll let her talk about Dr. Crusher first. Hmm. I I like Dr. Crusher. I think she's a very intelligent doctor, um, as you would want for any doctor. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she's she's about right. I. She, again, her character is not one of those that has like a huge impact on you know, what what we would say, Star Trek, like the in-universe Star Trek. She's just kind of one of those characters that's there. I, de- I don't think I would put her any higher on this list, for sure. I probably would put Sulu ahead of her, though, <laughs> honestly. 
Yeah. I would maybe even put Kira ahead of her. I'm not sure. But then we have, you know, she was in the movies a little bit. <laughs> like, they didn't really show very much of her. But she was also kind of the first female doctor in Star Trek and kind of had that going for her. So she kind of represented female scientists, you know, for the first time on the in the franchise, I think, unless they showed up in the movies prior to that. But as like a, re- a main character, I mean, so... Maybe that was impactful. Yeah, I would probably say she's good right where she is, um, with the exception of, yeah, I probably would have put Sulu above her just because of the fact of him being from the original cast. All right, so we're at number 29 on our list, and that brings us to Uhura. Based on what we just said, like all the TOS characters should probably be in the top 25. She probably should be a lot higher than she is. For that reason, and also because she was the first black person, uh, one of the first mm. black people to have like a main role in something on television. Uh, so <laughs> I feel like her character deserves to be higher for those groundbreaking reasons. Now, her character itself, like as far as her impact on the in-universe Star Trek, you know, she was basically the communications officer and relayed what she heard, you know, over the communications channels so i'm not sure how important her character was like in universe but i think for the franchise it was a pretty important character i i think she she should be like in the top 20 honestly yeah i would agree with you and we should probably back up a little bit and say similarly with sulu um being uh an asian character um we kind of forget that a lot of the characterizations of different um, nationalities were so stylized back then Mm -hmm. that to have Sulu simply be an Asian man who was just a normal guy rather than being super stylized Mm -hmm. was, was groundbreaking. Um, And then you add on top of that, you have Uhura who a is a woman B is black and is integral to the plot of this show. Now, in the the first couple episodes that we've watched, she's not really had a huge impact, but she does grow, and they they start utilizing her character a lot more, and she becomes more of the the strong, intelligent woman rather than um, (laughs) how we see her in the pilot, um, which was... A disservice to her character <laughs> um but that was the writing i'm sure and then you add on to that the overarching impact that nichelle nichols has had on so many women of all kinds of nationalities seeing her as this strong intelligent person who is driving forward and it really became a symbol for women, for female achievement. Um, I would definitely put Uhura higher than she is on the list. Um, and she should, you know, grab Sulu's hand and take him with her. Yeah. I mean, I would for sure put her up higher too, even just, you know, thinking about her character um, and what she did on the enterprise, but even like in the movies, when we, as these characters age, she doesn't just retire from being on a starship and retire out of Starfleet. She goes on to teach 
and lecture at the academy. So now she's shaping the next generation of officers coming through Starfleet Academy. Um, so I, I would have for sure put her up much higher than where she is. All right, we'll move on to number 28. And we have Damar. I have no mm-hmm. idea who this is. <laughs> he's, uh, he's Deep Space Nine. Okay. Um, he's a Cardassian um, character that um, was really, when he was first on there, was just like the assistant to, or like the first officer for Goldicott and sort of um, evolved and became more integral. So he um, ended up, when Goldicott leaves, he comes in and steps in and he's the head um, of Cardassia answering to the founders. Um, and then eventually he's the one that's leading the resistance movement on Cardassia. And so uh, he's very integral um, inside of Deep Space Nine as far as what his character does inside of that storyline. I don't know that I would have him at number 28 on the list. I for sure would not have put him above Kieran Reese, but I, I would have, I honestly, I'm going to be really honest. I don't know that I would have had him on the list at all. He was, I was that like, really? When I saw his name, I was like, Oh, he's on this list. I, I would have had him in the top 100, but maybe not in the top 50. I had the exact same feeling. Um, he is very important to the story of Deep Space Nine. I actually liked components of his character. I thought the way he develops is very interesting. But to have him this high on the list, I mean, above people like Uhura and Kira and Dax, I don't know about that. I probably would have had him further down the list. I think I'm okay with him being in the top 50 because of his impact, but definitely not at 28. Okay. What they said. <laughs> it's clear, clearly you have an opinion that's very strong since yeah. you didn't even know who he was. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, number 27, Martok. I do know this is a Klingon. Um, yes. I don't really remember a whole lot about him. I the, I know the name, and I know he was probably on TNG, right? He was on Deep Space Nine. He was on Deep Space Nine, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, for me, like, this is my favorite Klingon next to Worf. Like, I love this character. I think he is brilliantly acted. I don't know that I would have him at number 27 <laughs> on this list. I, I sort of feel like uh, with him the same way I do with Damar um, I would put them probably at the bottom of this list yes um, I'm going to completely agree with Megan I would definitely have him on the list um, he is super important to the storyline of Deep Space Nine uh, has a massive impact on Worf um, really I think pushes forward a lot of the Klingon Federation relationship and everything. And I agree completely that he was excellently acted, but because he is just a a recurring character in one series, I would go ahead and say, yeah, I would put him further down the list, but uh, we, we should maybe ask Ty uh, seeing as James Tiberius Cat has joined us, and uh, you might have heard some funny noises because he always likes <laughs> to play with my microphone. Um, 
<laughs> he just wants to be a part. He does. So uh, let's see, Ty. Do you have any opinions on Martok? I'm going to say that's a no. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a no. I, I don't think he's seen enough of Deep Space Nine to have an opinion. I concur with Ty on this one. <laughs> I do. Is it General Martok? Is that his? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So I kind of vaguely remember him and can place him, but uh, I don't remember enough about him to to be able to say anything. So. Number 26 is Julian Bashir. It's weird to me that he's ahead of Akira and Dax and Uhura and Sulu. Maybe even Crusher? I don't know. Again, I have not seen enough Deep Space Nine to know. But it seems like of the Doctors, Crusher might be slightly more iconic than Bashir just because she was on TNG. Maybe I'm just being biased with that. Uh, For me, he's... Uh, well, that character is one of my favorites on Deep Space Nine. Um, I can sort of see maybe why they have him this high on the list. I don't. I don't. I would not have put him this high. Um, I would have put him on here for sure. But one with his character development in the show to have them put in his uh, backstory that he is a genetically engineered human that as you go through the show that he's came out of that. Okay. And was able to be high functioning and be this doctor um, that he has <laughs> because he is genetically engineered and has had his, all of his abilities enhanced. So he's incredibly smart, can be like almost a little data esque and later things that they ask him to, you know, to calculate and do. Um, but I don't know that I would have him at number 26. I, I would have him honestly down in the forties. Yeah, I would say Bashir is definitely my favorite character in Deep Space Nine. I thought it was a masterful stroke of writing to take this character that was on one trajectory of being almost a little bit of a a comic relief character. He was a little bit more all about personality and... You know, he was the, the the caring one just because he was the doctor and all that sort of thing. And to then reach this point in the story where they, they clearly went, okay, if we keep Bashir the way he is, he's not going to fit as well with the storyline going forward. We need some way to have him change to fit the mood more. Uh, mm-hmm. And give him more to do in the story by making him more useful. How about this? And then they just completely change his character with that little bit of backstory of finally he can reveal that he's genetically enhanced. And all of a sudden he's got all these all these assets that he can bring to the table that he wasn't allowed to before. And he's able to kind of drop well basically drop the act of yeah, a persona. being yeah he so he was using this uh happy go lucky kind of um personality and and socially driven aspect to cover up the fact that he's a bona fide genius and you know physically superior in a lot of different ways so i thought that was an amazing way to take a character and 
almost do a 180. If, if you take it out of the realm of, okay, well, let's look at the writing of the story, um, I probably would put him lower on the list. All right, everybody. Well, there you have it. That is our list, starting with number 50 and going all the way down to number 26. We're going to split this discussion up into two parts because it became apparent rather quickly that this was going to be a three-hour episode otherwise. So we're going to tackle numbers 25 through 1 in our next episode. Please join us for that. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.